Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 26 minutes now to 9 the time. Time for your Mediated Conversation this Tuesday morning. Last week, Transnet announced that it's decided to partner with the Philippines-based company International Container Terminal Services Incorporated in a 25-year deal that will see this company playing a large role in the running of Pier 2 at the Durban Harbour. This means that a private company seems to be running or will be running the busiest part of the port. Durban Harbour is absolutely vital to our economy. It's our biggest port. Pier 2 is the busiest section of it. However, not everyone is happy. The unions representing workers there claim that this amounts to privatisation and that it will mean government is giving up control of a prime asset. Of course, there have been similar projects. The Durban to Durban railway line is currently open to tender from Transnet, who's looking for a private company to help it run that. Well, first this morning, what exactly is happening? From Transnet, the chief executive of Transnet Port Terminals is Jabu Mdaki. Then, from the South African Transport and Allied Workers Union, their General Secretary, Jack Maziboko. And finally, the impact of all of this on the people who actually have to get goods through the port. MJ Schumacher is the president of the, prof- is the, president of the professional body for supply chain management in Southern Africa. We start then with the chief executive of Transnet Port Terminals, Jabo Ndaki. Jabo, good morning and thank you for your time. Uh, good morning, Stephen. And good morning to our business. What is the plan for Pier 2 at Durban Harbour? Uh, Stephen, as you probably articulated, uh, we embarked on a process that was quite transparent and it was largely publicized within uh, South Africa and globally uh, of seeking a partner that uh, would help us develop uh, the Pier 2 uh, terminal. Uh, that uh, process has culminated with it. <coughs> The appointment of uh, ICTS as the preferred bidder uh, that was announced uh, recently. What would Transnet be responsible for and what will the company be responsible for? Yeah, so it's important from the outset that we outlined, uh, Stephen, that this is a partnership. Uh, Transnet through TPT will still remain involved in the, uh, the, the terminal. Um, we retain 50 plus one uh, shareholding. And the, the partner will be obviously taking 50 minus one uh, shares. So, something will be part of that. We still have the employees that are currently employed at Pier 2 that will be retained within Transnet. Uh, all their benefits and uh, uh, all uh, the, the, the current um, uh, the, the privileges that they enjoy as part of Transnet employees uh, will be retained. And those employees. To a, a, an agreement with the SPV, uh, uh, the new company that will be formed, will then be seconded to that uh, uh, company. Okay, I'm just going to focus on the workers a bit more for a minute. So this shouldn't change them at all. Their conditions of employment will stay the same. When they negotiate for salaries in the next financial year or whenever the current agreement comes to an end, they would still negotiate with Transnet, not the new company. That is correct, Stephen. So they're still employees technically of the state. They are still employees of Transnet, correct. Okay, cool. Um, so then you would still retain complete control of this because of your 50 plus one, 50% plus one shareholding. In other words, Transnet would make the decisions. Yeah, so uh, obviously the new company will have its own board and will have its own executive that will be running it. Uh, so... Transnet will also be the part of the body that will be running the entity. Okay. How long would this last for? 
Uh, it's for 25 years with an option to extend by another five years. Okay. Why are you going this route? What's the idea behind it? What's the rationale? Okay. So, uh, first of all, it's uh, still in, just like you indicated, Pier 2 is in Devon, is our biggest uh, port, is our biggest uh, terminal. Uh, it's important that we increase uh, the maritime uh, connectivity of our our ports. And if you look at the partner that we have chosen, um, it's got a, a wide footprint globally. Uh, it's operating in over 20 countries. It's operating uh, 34 terminals uh, globally. And what also then puts us at an advantage with the partner that we have selected is that um, it will it is not aligned to a specific uh, shipping line. It's an independent uh, uh, operator. So uh, there won't be any preference, or if you can put it like that, of a specific shipping line. So we, we are not going to have a terminal that is aligned to a specific shipping line. Okay. Uh, are, they, are they bringing capital as well? I mean, you need to invest in Pier 2, right? That is, uh, that is the critical component of that. Uh, so we need to be able to, to, to invest in Pier 2. Um, that is going to be reflected in the efficiencies that we, we are going to be seeing. Uh, as part of the agreement uh, that we, we are signing, we want to see the ship working hour, you know, the rate at which we are processing the containers, loading or offloading them, uh, to improve from the current year of about uh, 50 plus to uh, close to about 80. Uh, to be able to do that, obviously, you need to uh, invest in equipment, um, renew the equipment that we already have, but also increase the, the, the equipment. You need to improve your planning. You need to improve the technology that you are deploying in, in the terminal. But for TPT, now for Transnet, we still have other terminals that are operating. Uh, the spin-off of that is that we, it then allows us to be able to reinvest in these other terminals that you are operating, you know, your PO1, your K-Town container terminals, your MCT, and, and others that we can be able to reinvest and get the equipment and also get their efficiencies uh, in those terminals uh, improved as well. Okay, so if you didn't go this route, what would happen? Would you have the capital yourselves to bring in these changes to get it up to 80 containers an hour? Uh, if we did not go this route, if you look at the amount that is involved in terms of uh, investment that is required, uh, if I were to give you an example, you know, a ship-to-shore crane, for example, uh, the one that is uh, loading and offloading the container terminals, is anything between uh, 350 to 450 uh, million uh, rands. Um, currently, uh, with our operation, we are deploying on average about a two and a half or two or three uh, uh, ship-to-shore cranes per vessel that we are utilizing. Our expectation is that with the improved investment, uh, we'll be able to deploy up to four or five uh, uh, ship-to-shore cranes. Now, that will require, obviously, that significant investment. If we did not have this partnership, uh, the, what we would have been able to do is just to replace the aging infrastructure that we have without actually providing any significant in, in improvements uh, on the operation of the terminal. So it will be like retaining what we already have without uh, making inroads in terms of uh, uh, optimizing the, the, the efficiencies in the terminals. Okay, so if everything goes according to plan, what would Durban Harbour look like? It would be moving more quickly, there'll be a lot more uh, container traffic coming through. Would it be cheaper or more expensive for the people doing, for the, for the, for the actual uh, shippers? So, yeah, if, if, if all goes to, 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 to plan, well, all will, 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 go, will go to plan. Uh, 
we will move more uh, volumes. Uh, currently, the, the peer two moves about uh, just under two million uh, TEUs. Uh, with this uh, partnership, we expect it to grow that up to 2.8 million TEUs. So there is more volumes. For us to be able to do that, obviously, efficiencies need to improve. Well, with the more volumes that are improving, you are able to attract more shipping lines, or you are able to have more frequent calls uh, in, 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 into the port. Uh, but we also then uh, and ensure that we do keep the complementary system of, of the, the port systems that we have in, in South Africa. You know, uh, the vessel that normally calls there, then will, you'll find that it then continues its journey before going to Europe, for example, uh, at NCT as well as uh, in, in, in uh, city city in Cape Town. Um, would this also mean that over time more people would be employed at Pier Two if you've got more containers coming through? Well, uh, over the, if, if you if you look at the numbers that I've indicated to you, uh, by employing more equipment, uh, it means that you will be needing uh, more people to be able to man uh, those those uh, equipment. So we expect it to be a stimulus uh, for for growth and also be a, a source. Uh, you know, for, for us to, to be able to, to improve our manpower skills as well. Jabum Daki, thank you. The Chief Executive of Transnet Port Terminals. Well, explaining what is the current plan. 17 minutes to nine the time. We'll mediate a conversation around the, I don't know what people call it, different words, for Pier 2 at the Durban Harbour continues. Jack Mozzi-Borko is the General Secretary of the South African Transport and Allied Workers Union. Jack, good morning. I need to listen to as I understand it, you oppose these plans. Why? No, thank you very much for having us uh, on your show. Uh, I must indicate that uh, the organized labor, be it Satau and Undu, we are opposing these plans. And the reason why we are opposing these plans is because we've been asking pertinent questions during the consultation process. We Transnet have left it without answering those questions, but rushing to appoint these uh, Philippine companies that they are claiming that they want to partner with them. And we respect as organized labor that South Africa is a country of law. A, a consultative process is in the serious decision of this nature that will affect the employees, who's our members, and the public in general need to be uh, entertained to the latter. And we are worried when the Transnet ran out of the uh, engagement processes and rushed to publicize their decision. We feel that uh, what Transnet has done, they have undermined a, a, a collective bargaining that we have agreed upon as organized labor within Transnet. But let me... Okay. Can I, can I, can I, call, can I continue? Can I, can, I, can I just follow up if you don't mind? Um, yes. As a trade union, you belong to Satawu. Satawu, I know for a fact, has a position against privatization. I imagine as Satawu, you do too. So my question then would be, no matter what consultation, no matter what happened in that process, is it not true that you would always, on ideological grounds, I'm not arguing with you, I'm just asking, is it not true that you would always oppose a private company being involved in this? Correct, uh, Stephen, but again, I think we need to be realistic as the organization based on the facts and reasons that are advanced to advance the, the privatization. But on this issue of peer two, to be quite honest, there are no justifiable reasons that has been uh, put forward by Transnet precisely because we are talking about the, the entity here that is a very, that is making money that is, 
financially sound that is lucrative if indeed you want an assistance from a private partnership why will you go to your cream why will you go to the entity that is making money why will you sell it out we are hoping that even if we were to engage with transnet about the privatization perhaps transnet will have looked at the, the most ailing entities and try to convince us that this is the area where we need assistance but not on this one this is about, though, the allocation of capital. And I realize as a union, capital is not your friend, Jack, and I accept that. But uh, Transnet have just explained to us, as you would have heard, that if they then bring in this company to do this, they'll be able to very quickly speed up the amount of the number of, uh, of containers that gets processed every hour. So they'll speed up the transit time, let me call it that. And at the same time, that would then allow them to spend the capital they do have on other harbors, which they are keeping as they are. Isn't that a rational decision? If someone's going to come along and as a 25-year deal, say, we'll do the investment, we'll help you run the thing, you will still retain control, and that allows you to use the money that you have to invest in other harbors. Isn't that rational? Uh, there are two things that we need to be mindful of, uh, Stephen, uh, from especially from organized labor side. At times, a crisis is created in order for people to advance a particular position. But let's talk to this one. Uh, the Pier 2 in Deben, it's an it's a, it's a entity that needs a management who got to are knowledgeable, who know how to run the entity. That entity is profitable. It doesn't need the intervention of a private partner, par- partnership. If we, and this is what we've been advancing to Transnet to say, put a credible management there, you will see the employees will produce the, the, the tanks that you want. You will get those tanks. You don't need a, pri- a, a private partnership to get those, those, those percentage but, of tanks but, that you want. But Jack, you're going to need more you, you need more cranes, as Jabu Mdaki explained to us. Those themselves cost hundreds of millions of rand. It's not just about management or the number of people you have working there. It's about investment in actual infrastructure. I mean, surely that's obvious even to me, and I know nothing about harbors. Let's talk about the investment in infrastructure for argument's sake. If you said to me, you are requesting the, the, the private partnership to assist you, in a form of investment to resuscitate the the aging infrastructure, be it the machine and 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 you give these people a 25 years of of of, of a contract that get, can be extended for another five years, that will be 30 years. Now tell me, if the sole purpose is to invest, what will be the value of those machines after 30 years? It means you are go you will be back to but, square one. Sure, but that hasn't answered my original question. You need to get goods through the terminal more quickly. You need to get it up to 80 containers an hour. It's impossible to do that without the infrastructure, never mind what happens in 30 years. I mean, you make an important point. But the fact is, over the next 10, 15 years, we need to have that rate of transit. This is surely the only way Transnet could do it, would go the argument. Hence, we are saying, hence we are saying, this is the entity that can meet those requirements. It doesn't need a private partnership. We just need to sit down and strategize as to how best can we work towards that. But they've, that just, said the they, but they've just said they don't have the capital. It's, let's look at the finances that Transnet is present. This is the entity that is carrying the, the entire entities of Transnet. We just need to channel the resources where we can make a lot of profit. Let me tell you something, Stephen. If you sell 49% of your entity, the investor that comes in to assist you, it doesn't come for free. They are here to make money. 
we ask pertinent questions about the due diligence. What due diligence did they make? Have they ever been in Philippines to check how these people are working? The answer was no. We asked them that if they were to Jabu talk about the, the technology, we said, how are you going to reskill the current employees or the employees that will transfer to this new company to make sure that they meet the required skills that will advance your interest? There is no plan on that. We asked them, what is the asset value of the current peer two before you can enter into this uh, concession agreement? We did not have an answer. So we are dealing with people that are just putting something to us without giving us a tangible evidence. And maybe to back up lastly, Stephen, remember it is not for the first time, and that's why the unions is behaving like this. We want to go to the integrities of the issues. You remember there was a time where Transnet have entered into agreement with the Chinese companies regarding 1064. Billions and billions of rents have been spent there today. The same Transnet have opted to or to 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 go to a a commission of inquiry for their own wrong decisions that they have made. The union cannot allow that thing to happen again. Jack Mazibuko, thank you very much indeed. The General Secretary of the South African Transport and Allied Workers Union. In a moment, MJ Schumacher, the President of the Professional Body for Supply Chain Management in South Africa. Nine minutes now to nine. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Continue your mediated conversation around Transnet's plans to involve an international partner with a 49% or a 49-1% shareholding and Transnet's Pier 2 at the Durban Harbour. MJ Schumacher is the President of the Professional Body of Supply Chain Management in Southern Africa. MJ, good morning. Good morning, Steve, and good morning also to the listeners. What's it like getting goods moving through Pier 2 at Durban Harbour at the moment? Is it difficult? Is it easy? Uh, it's been a challenge. I would say there's been great improvement. We know that uh, the ports really struggled uh, with COVID, with, with the riots, and uh, everyone, I think, is aware that there's a, a lack of maintenance of the machines. The machines are challenging. So, yes, for I think for the logistics uh, organizations, it has been a challenge, but we have seen some improvement. Do you believe it's possible to fix the problems easily or do you believe there's a need for huge investment? I mean, you speak, I suppose, only as a very interested customer, not as an expert on harbours, or maybe you are. Uh, absolutely. I think, you know, we, you know, last year in our uh, last month, actually, in our conference, uh, you know, we know that the um, Transnet is, is very, very interested in, in, in fixing what needs to be fixed. Uh, they have a, a very uh, clear mandate that they have to enable the security of supply to the ports, rail and pipeline infrastructure. So this is part of a project in Operation Bulin Leila. I don't know if you've heard of it, uh, which was started in October 2020. So this is not new that um, there are these 35 uh, key policy reforms that the, the government are working on. So, of course, uh, an expansion of the Durban port, you know, going from 2.9 million to 11 million containers over the next 10 years is very, very welcome. Uh, but obviously, the priority for us is, is efficiencies, right? So that the, the these containers can get through easily, that they can be uh, um, picked up easily off the ships, they can be put onto the trucks. Uh, I think there's quite some some logistics challenges there. Um, so yes, yeah, so th- you know the the bidding for this um, tender already started in 2021. Um, so we, as an organisation, will certainly uh, welcome private sector. Uh, but I think there's some some caveats there. So, you know, the skills, for example, can we use local skills? I think your your previous talker had some very valid points. Um, how is this going to be measured? Have they proven themselves? So it's it's a 
it's both partners. I think the CEO of Transnet and of the trade unions definitely have good points. But for South Africa, for economic growth, this is absolutely essential. Does it matter to you how Pier 2 is improved, whether it's a government company, so just Transnet, or whether a private company is involved? I mean, there are ideological disputes here. There are lots of people have different views on this. Does it matter to you how that is done? I think it does matter to us because, uh, you know, SAPIX is an association that also drives to educate, empower and elevate supply chain professionals in Africa. So as much as we would like to see the efficiency coming through the harbours, and again, I say I welcome this, uh, I'd like to see also that we make use of our local skills and and upskill our local um, supply chain professionals. So I do. I haven't seen the details of this deal, but I do hope that they're taken into consideration. I welcome that they're going to move the transnet current transnet employees into this new um, business. Um, but let's make sure. You know, I would appreciate that. Also, make sure that they bring in more people and upskill people locally. But at some point, obviously, this company we would hope would, you know, we'd be able to run it on our own. But the efficiencies are definitely welcome. So the risk, obviously, with with uh, this is not quite privatization, but let me put that phrase in inverted no. commas. The risk is that when you end up having a private company being involved, they put up costs that they can charge what yes. they want. And this matters at Pier 2 because it's not quite a monopoly, but it has, let me say, some of the characteristics of monopoly, if I were to use legal language. So the risk then would be that the private operator would be in a really powerful position and as a result of that would be able to put up costs. Now, it might be very efficient. We might get up to 80 containers an hour. We might be employing more people. We might have everything that we want, but it does start to cost you a lot more. Yes, and I think that in, in that sense, you know, the 50 plus one, obviously uh, there's a certain amount of control there by Transnet, which is a state-owned entity, but I think private sector also has to be competitive, right? So uh, when when the when they had a lot of trouble with the ports, a lot of the companies diverted through to Mozambique, so they just found another port to work with. So we do have other ports that can be used, um, and once someone changes over to a different port to find a different way to, uh, to truck goods into South Africa, you have to pull them back. So I I, I think a, a private company does have to be competitive. Uh, and make sure that the pricing is reasonable. And then if this investment, if this investment happens, do you expect other investment to follow in places like Cape Town? How important could they become as harbors? Durban obviously is closer for Gauteng. Yes. Yes. Uh, no, um, as, as the CEO mentioned, they, they want to reinvest also in Geberga. That's also an important port. Um, Cape Town as well. There's big plans also to improve um uh, that that port as well. If you look now at the, at at Geberg, they're they're completely below their capacity at the moment. So you know there, there's great opportunity there. So the 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 note of reinvestment into the other ports is very very welcome. Um, we just have to see what that looks like, right? Because uh, this investment's obviously from a, a through privatisation. What does that mean for the other ports? MJ Skumaker, thank you. President of the Professional Body for Supply Chain Management in Southern Africa. Really appreciate the time. Jack Mazibuko is the General Secretary of the South African Transport and Allied Workers Union. And starting us off today, Jabum Daki is the Chief Executive of Transnet Port Terminals, beginning your mediated conversation uh, with you this morning. Well, we will see you tomorrow.